Hello, everybody. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week, we bring business people together to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of the Branding Bud Consulting Group and the author of Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm here with my co-host, Adriana Hemans, a marketing expert with over eight years in the cannabis industry. Boy, that went fast. Um, <laughs> hi, Adriana. How are you? Hi, David. I'm so good. I can't believe it's Thursday already. I want to take one second and show off my beautiful new um, LSD Jonathan Adler jar that David gave me for Christmas. Thank you, David. And all I gave him was a stupid candle. My pleasure. So, I love that candle. Let's show it off for a second. <laughs> um, I see a lot of people rolling into the chat. Thank you all for joining us. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Max. So good to see you again. For anyone who is new to our audience, I just want to call out that we are very, very, very interactive and very friendly. So feel free to say hi. Let us know where you are watching from and let us know if you are supposed to be on any of those thousands of flights that have been canceled recently. It seems like everyone I know has got stuck in an airport at some point or another in the last two weeks. Um, so yeah, not only do we talk to amazing guests and we have a very special one today, we also are all about building community. So yeah, so welcome one and all. Right, right. Welcome everybody. I can't believe it's our second show of the year. And today is an amazing show. Um, we have an amazing guest who I'll introduce in a moment. Um, but really what we're going to talk about today is um, why women own cannabis brands with a question mark. And we have just seen the rise of uh, women own cannabis brands in the industry. And we've seen sort of the back and forth between the genders about, uh, about why women cannabis own brands. So we thought we'd just address it. Let's just talk about it. And who better to talk about it than with one of the uh, better known and uh, best known uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs of, of a great company, which we'll bring out in a moment. So today we're going to talk about the rise of women-owned cannabis brands. We're going to talk about women executives, both in and out of the industry. And we're going to talk about cannabis consumers who also happen to be women. And we'll hi, Cheryl. Talk about hi, Katie. Speaking of women, hi. Good to see there you. There you go. Welcome, women. And we'll talk about the trends surrounding and or affecting uh, women, especially related to cannabis. So I'm super excited about this. So with that said, why don't we introduce our guest? I'm pleased to introduce Christina Aducci. She's the founder and CEO of the House of Puff. Christina's brand makes luxury cannabis accessories. Her products have been featured in Business Insider, Rolling Stone, Forbes, and recently in the New York Times. And an awesome fun fact is just two weeks ago when cannabis went live in New York, Christina's products were on shelves in the one dispensary and the first dispensary to sell legal cannabis in New York. So with that, let's bring out Christina. Very cool. Hi, hey, Christina. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk. Right yeah, on. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So for anyone who doesn't know you, what, what are you passionate about? What should people know about you, Christina? Uh, people should know about me. Well, I'm passionate about cannabis passionate about art and social justice, uh, House of Puff, you know, we, we like to say we're a lifestyle brand that leverages all three, right? The power of art to make cannabis chic, easy, and, and welcoming. And so I uh, grew up uh, in a Puerto Rican household, didn't really consume cannabis at all until my late 20s, and then uh, decided I was going to dive headfirst into the cannabis world, bring my art expertise in, and, and here we are. That's awesome. Um, and I 
I'm curious to hear about your art expertise. I didn't even, we, we've never had that conversation. So, um, oh, really? Yeah. So, prior to House of Puff, um, I had an art magazine called Art Zealous, and it was geared towards young collectors because I had moved to New York uh, in the mid 2000s and had no friends. And so, the I, I was an art collector, and by art collector, I mean, you know, you know not, nothing, you know. $20,000, like, you know, $500 at my local, you know, Brooklyn art gallery. And I decided that there weren't enough publications speaking to young folk about how to collect art, um, what to look for, the difference between a lithograph and a photograph. And so I was working at the Michael J. Fox Foundation at the time and sort of had that entrepreneurial bug that I just could not shake. So left there to start an art magazine, and it was in three cities, Miami, New York, and L.A., the three big art cities. And I had a successful exit when I decided that I was going to dive headfirst into cannabis. And so everything that House of Puff does, um, art just follows. It's, it's very much integrated into our DNA and who I am as a person. So um, I'm, I'm really passionate about it. Wow. Very cool. I was, I was yeah. not aware of it. See, Did you, you learned know that something. David used to have an art gallery. Now you know. That's right. We, we're kindred spirits. So uh, yep. that's that's really interesting. Well, so you founded a, a woman-owned owned cannabis brand that that you know focuses on on women. What trends are you seeing around um, you know women and women consuming cannabis? Um, trends. I would say a big trend, uh, is, is education and creating communities. Um, I think women were, you know, we're building things differently, building alliances and, and coalitions. And, you know, you have companies like ours and, uh, Miss Grass, Garden Society, and we're all promoting this sort of sense of, uh, connection, right. And looking for space with people who sort of share our values, um, but we're also seeing that men are just as hungry for that. Um, a large portion of our community is male, but I'm seeing a lot of more uh, women-owned businesses really lean into education and community because that's what women want. Um, you know, uh, we have an editorial site, we have a YouTube channel. You know, we really believe in video-rich content, and and during the pandemic when all of us were home, right? Uh, we we built this community online and, you know, you can go on our YouTube channel and, and look at and some of the comments and, you know, you'll see a lot a lot of women saying, wow, like, I, I, I can't believe somebody like you who looks like me uh, is teaching me how to roll a joint. And, and so that's a, a really big trend that I'm excited for, that we're doing, and that I, I hope more women-owned businesses in the cannabis space uh, lean into. Yeah, it's. I mean, I th I think you call out something important, and I think this has been something that's been said, you know, for quite some time now. Which is, you know, in order for people to picture themselves in a certain place, they need, to, they often need to see people like them, correct, in the place they in the place they want that they aspire to be to. So I think it's it's important, and and you know, what women like you are doing is is really changing the face of cannabis, and I think that's uh, for me personally what's important about that is it normalizes uh, cannabis and, you know, and, and makes it more available to everybody. Like you said, you know, people, people are surprised to see you rolling a joint or somebody like you rolling a joint. Right. <laughs> exactly. And especially, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud Puerto Rican woman. And so uh, for women of color, it's, it's, it's very important to see uh, that sort of reflection.
Mm -hmm. We talk a lot on this show about stereotypes about consumers and how, you know, being more inclusive of different types of consumers in coming into the market is one way to sort of shatter some of those stigmas. Um, and I also want to sort of bring up the topic of the business community and some of the hurdles that are sort of endemic to like stereotypes about women in who are coming in and either launching a brand or growing a brand. One thing that I keep seeing over and over again is stats about having more difficulty finding access to capital um, and investment money, which particularly now has to be a huge issue with capital sort of drying up. Is that something that you've experienced, Christina, in, in building House of Puff? Yeah, I don't know if you could hear my sigh when you when I when I when I hear about access to capital. Um, I am very passionate about uh, about the disbursement of, of funds to women, specifically women of color. Um, you know, raising capital uh, for a small business remains a significant role, roadblock for women, LGBTQA community, uh, people of color, regardless of industry, right? Um, and so as a Latina, you know, we're the second largest population, fastest growing group of entrepreneurs, we get less than 2% of venture capital. And then it's even, I think it's like 0.8% goes to women of color. Um, and so my own fundraising journey, you know, House of Puff raised a, a seed round. And yeah, there were there were days when I was absolutely crying in the shower because uh, most of the investors that I'm speaking to are white men and 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 didn't sort of believe or see um, my our vision. And and it was hard. And we, we closed our seed round and we found investors who aligned with us. Uh, and, and, and saw what we were trying to build. Um, but to any anybody, you know, fundraising, especially in this economic downturn, it's really, really difficult, especially in cannabis. Like we can't catch a break. Um, and so my mom always says uh, uh, it's a Spanish con ganas, right? Like do it with spirit. Just keep going, follow your passion. And so, you know, after crying in the shower, I'd redo my deck a little bit and I was always constantly changing and, 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 and improving our pitch and, and we closed our seat around, but it, it's hard. It's, and, and for women, it's extremely difficult, but um, you know, anybody out there who's fundraising specifically in cannabis, slide into my DMS because I know how painful it is. <laughs> And hang in there. And you have some fans too. Um, Gabrielle says, hi, big fan of Christina and House of Puff with a heart. Thanks for your comment, Gabrielle. Oh, hi, guys. <laughs> it sounds like it's your community right there. That's funny. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, let's let's bring it bring it around to consumers for a moment and talk to consumers. And, you know, you just you said a moment ago, you spoke about the <clears throat> the environment, the economic environment. And I think we're coming out of the pandemic, you know, we've seen different types of consumption, quite frankly, you know, people either changing the form factor because they have to consume more discreetly or, and, and or they're consuming around their family, uh, whatever it is. But we've certainly been in the last few years, you know, in sort of just a, a different state, if you will. And I'm, I'm not talking about the United States. I'm just talking about <laughs> a different mental and, and physical state. But, you know, that said, um, we've got a slide, and I think the slide we're, we're going to bring up right now, um, you know, might even speak to, um, you know, speak to 
what's changing and, uh, and, and we'll see. And what we do every week, we never fail. We have an audience participation. So uh, we're going to ask you, Christina, your thought on this, but we'll also okay. ask the audience to uh, participate as well. So, um, so our slide, which is coming up momentarily, here it is. What would so, branding Bud Live be without a can of fact or can of fiction question? That's right, absolutely. So uh, we have can of fact, we have can of fiction, later we'll have a can of choice. That's what it's all about. And asking the audience to participate um, and test their industry knowledge is, is what we do here every week. Um, so here's the question. In 2018, 38% of Ease's new customers were women. Currently, Ease's new customers base is 48%. So the question is, is this a can of fact or a can of fiction? Um, has women, uh, women's use of ease uh, and consumption, or rather use of ease, I should say, uh, has that grown 10% in three years? And that might even, if it's true, that might even give us some sort of um, uh, look or, or, or insight into, you know, maybe how the how the pandemic has affected uh, what's going on and some of the things we're looking for. I see we have Cheryl with a, with a can of fact. <laughs> this is kind of a two-parter, two That's numbers. Right. So both of them have to be correct for this to be a can of fact. That's right. And I'm sorry, the one thing I see is everybody's writing fact or fiction. I'm, I'm sorry, it's almost like, uh, is it, I want to say Jeopardy, where you have to answer in the form of the question. <laughs> the answer would be can of fact or can of fiction. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> Um, sorry, just being a, a joker here. Um, well, Christina, do you have, boy, everybody's mostly on. We have seven facts, one fiction. Uh, well, I see my, I see my girl, Gabby, and I'm going to go with, with her cause I trust her. So I'm going to say fact. I'm going to go right. with Gabby too. I like Gabby. I've the last Hi, time. Jason. Jason's guessing fiction. I know. Hey, Jason, all our friends are here. Caleb is back. Here we go. Um, Cool. All right. Well, boy, we got and Jordan a amended his answer to be in the proper format. Well played. Well played. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. I knew I could count on you. All right. Well, should we jump to the answer? Let's do it. Drum roll. Yes. Sound effects. Restream if you're listening. You need sound effects. <laughs> it, it is kind of fact. Kind of fact. Yep. In 2018, 38% of Ease's new customers were women. Currently, Ease's new customer base is 48% women. So In case anybody I, doesn't know, Ease is a, is a delivery service. And we were just talking about how um, people changed not only the form factors that they were choosing during the pandemic, but also how they were obtaining it. So no surprise, delivery had a huge, huge um, jump in popularity, right? Nobody wanted to get out of their cars or their homes. And it's interesting, I think, like when you see higher volumes, some of those gender disparities start to even out. So I think some of that is happening. And also another point we made a second ago, uh, less stigma. So more women are probably ordering or, or, or open to ordering directly. And also safety. I think safety has a lot to do with this, too. You know, um, not everybody feels safe um, walking into a dispensary. And, and certainly, depending on where those dispensaries are, I mean, Certainly on the West Coast, you can walk into some beautiful dispensaries, but in other states, they're not quite there yet. So I think I think this also sort of maybe shed some light on on the the need for you know for women consumers to to feel that to feel safe. Yeah. 
Um, and with, you know, delivery growing in popularity too, that can also give you access to products that you might not have access to at your local dispensary. They have a, a broader selection in some cases. So my question for Christina, since we're on the topic of products and form factors is, have you seen any noticeable differences in the types of products that women are drawn to in general, consumers? Yeah. And I want to say from a, you know, we're accessories, we don't touch the flower. Um, but I would say, of course, like beautiful ones, right? Uh, for House of Puff, you know, design is important. Uh, products that are not confusing, easy to use, especially like the can of nervous. Um, and more specifically, products that elevate cannabis, cannabis above any stigma, right? So, um, I think Cheryl was was in the chat. Um, you know, there are stereotypes about parenthood. Um, I'm a mom. Women have a lot more to lose um, by being socially open about cannabis than men do. Um, and so it's important to for us at House of Puff to uh, design products that are not counterculture, that are not juvenile, that because um, those things don't appeal to us. We don't want to feel like you know, we're doing something wrong. Um, we want to feel like the responsible, stylish adults that we are, right? Um, and I think women are really attracted to mission-aligned companies. Um, that's something that, um, for me, when I my when I'm shopping, that's definitely something one of the top things. That's it's really interesting. Um, and and I see, you know, everybody everybody here seems to be. Uh, you know, talking about, you know, discretion, I think um, Stacy mentioned discretion or being discreet. I think, you know, as I said earlier, safety. Um, I think it's really interesting, you know, comfortable with cannabis and the delivery. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, now that we're talking about all these, um, you know, women own brands and in some ways versus men own brands, and you just kind of touched upon something I think is interesting. So why don't we bring up the next slide and, and we can talk about, um, uh, you know, gender-based brand design. And I'll, going into this, I just want to call out, I mean, we've probably, not probably, we've exaggerated some things here. You know, if you look at the, um, the male-based brands, we have the Blues Brothers, the Beard Brothers, the Jungle Boys, and MedMen. So <clears throat> we've, we've, up, up, <laughs> it, up it on the boys and the men and the bros. Um, but um, we also have you know, the House of Puff. We have Flower by Edie Parker. We have Vanderpop. We have Miss Grass. And what's really interesting to me, and I think these just highlighted, but I did lost, look across many, many, many advertisements, promotions, um, you know, image imagery. And what was interesting was um, most of the female-owned or female um, targeted products add lifestyle and context, um, you, you know, and, and, and I think it comes through on the right side of the slide. It's really interesting. Do you, do you want to talk through that, Christina, a little bit? Um, in terms of like just image, like this image right here. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can look at our, our, our products. Uh, we don't just, you know, shoot the product. It's how can, again, can women envision the product um, in their home, right? And I think that women have certain preferences. Let's face it, I think we have our own values, we have our own experiences. Um, I guess regardless of gender, everybody does, right? Um, cultural preferences. 
Um, as a as a Puerto Rican woman, I obviously have certain preferences when it comes uh, to products. For me, the images on the right obviously appeal to me more. Right, they're 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 thoughtful. You can tell um, that there's intention behind it. Um, and you know, certainly as a mom, I have preferences when it comes to products that you know align with my with my value and lifestyle. Like, let's face it, like I love watch, you know watching shows like Rick and Morty, but I'm never going to be smoking out of a pickle Rick bong, for example. Or you know, those images don't really appeal to me. The images on the right, um, I again in the context of sort of how I live my life and lifestyle, I'm buying I'm buying on the right. I'm, probably not buying. I so wish we had a picture of a pickle Rick Bong right now. <laughs> that would really be the icing on the cake of today's episode. You, you, you'll, you'll, you'll find that uh, on brandingbud.com in our, uh, in our blog. We'll be sure to have that. Um, but it seems here, you know, and, and again, I've been in marketing and branding in CPG for many, many years and, and now in cannabis for 12 years. But I think one of the things that I've noticed too, is that, um, men typically focus on a product and their, their features. Um, and this is, these are real stereotypes, so forgive me, but you know, and whereas um, women tend to focus more on, on the context of something which they're using, you know, and how does it, how does it benefit them within the context as opposed to like this drill is really sturdy and, you know, <clears throat> runs fast and and we'll put you know 30 drills 30 30 screws into a wall in 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 a minute so it's just interesting and i think i've i've seen that trend if you will in mm -hmm. this as well yeah like if you know the image i'm just going to call out our own image that image probably appeals to a lot of women because maybe that's what their kitchen table looks like and especially for the canon nervous or the canon curious inviting them to sort of it, uh, in their heads, in their minds, like, oh, you know what? I could do that. That that that'll make me feel comfortable. I could leave that out on my kitchen counter. So um, when you see an image and you can see yourself in that image, I think is incredibly uh, powerful. Yeah, and um, I mean, do you do you feel there are gender stereotypes that that have to be uh, avoided, if you will? Like. Um, like yeah, elaborate. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the terms I remember was pink it and shrink it, right? You know, and that was the way you could take a product, uh, you know, a, a man's product and, and, and deliver it to a woman if it was pink and smaller and more dainty. Yeah. I, think we're, I think that's old school thinking and I think we're way beyond that. But, um, you know, what are the strategies? What are those things that, that you use to appeal to your community? Um, I think first and foremost, we're, we're very intentional about design and functionality. You know, we have, we ask ourselves all the time, how can this fit? How can our products be integrated um, into our customers' overall lifestyle? For women, will it look, you know, look good in their handbag? Will it contribute to the ambiance of, you know, interior design? You know, we look at colors of the season, right? So fashion shows, fall, winter, spring, summer. So, um, you know, does does this product make our customer feel good both when they're using it and, and when they're not using it? Um, 
And, you know, women, we, we wear many hats and we like efficiency. So all of our products uh, for us are multi-use. My mom is not a cannabis consumer, but she'll use her little Barrow Street herb bowl for a salt and pepper seller, right? Um, and so uh, to make the, the cut on the House of Puff lineup, um, you know, our products have to, uh, an active part of a, of a life well lived. And we do a lot of listening, a ton of listening, a lot of data. We ask our customers or, you know, our community, what do you want? What are your pain points? Um, what are your preferences? What do you need when you're consuming cannabis? And so um, that's how we sort of differentiate ourselves um, from from a design perspective um, and, and communicating to women. And, and quite frankly, anybody, you know, our split is 60-40. We have male customers that love our products as well. And Max called out that he uses his House of Puff piece daily. Yes. Max. <laughs> is a House of Puff male customer and we love it. So yeah, proves my point. Right. Awesome. And by the way, Stacy, I see <clears throat> you said that's very stereotypical. And indeed, that's not my thinking. It's just how some people thought. And I was bringing up that term, pink it and shrink it. So yeah, just want to make that very clear that that's not my thinking. Fun fact about colors. So they've done studies where they surveyed men and women to see what the most preferred colors were. And blue is most preferred by both men and women. And the color that is the most divisive that women really like and men really don't like is purple. Yep. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Both genders also hate orange and brown. I yeah, I'm I'm not a big brown <laughs> brown fan. It's not for accessories. Yeah. True. And the you never know. I guess you never know. <laughs> The two most used colors in cannabis um, are blue and green as well. And, and Adriana, to your point, you know, the most bifurcating color is purple. Um, so it's interesting. I'm always intrigued when I see a, pur a, a purple brand. I always ask who it appeals to. Um, mm -hmm. I always ask the brand owner. Yeah. yeah. That's so um, I'm curious, how do you feel, Christina? Do, do you have any thoughts on um, male-owned brands that are... Um, uh, you, you know, that, that appeal to women or try to appeal to women? Do you think it's, you know, contrived or, or not on point because it's not coming from uh, a woman and maybe not uh, filling, filling a need? Good question, David. Wow. I feel like you're, are you trying to get me in trouble, but um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. 100. <laughs> I'll keep it 100. Um, I think that uh, brands owned uh, and run by men that are targeted to women, um, I think sometimes they often think uh, reductively about what women want, like a very simplistic view of what we want. When you think about CPG brands early on their evolution, like you said, they shrink it and pink it instead of thinking about, you know, the sort of unique stigmas and challenges that um, that women face. Right. I think about lingerie company, you know, Victoria's Secret, for example. Right. Most people, you know, I, I don't know if most people know that that was run by men and you know, they were creating bras that were like up and twisted and around and like, and, and men, women don't want that. Women want to, we want to embrace, you know, our bodies and we want to feel comfortable. Um, so I, I honestly think that these, some of these brands uh, lack a, a true understanding of, of what women want. And I'll leave it at that, but there are, you know, there are companies out there that, 
think it works, but we see you. <laughs> I want to open it up for anyone in the audience who has a question for Christina. I mean, you can ask a question anytime, but feel free to, to chime in and drop one in and we will um, take them one at a time. But I feel like our, our audience is pretty well warmed up. So should we do another participation round? What Let's do, you think? do it. Let's do yeah. it. All right, let's get into it. Um, so we talked a little bit about consumers and what consumers are looking for and how they're ordering and form factors. So let's get into the business side of things. Uh, so this is Canna Quiz. And the question is, which sector of the cannabis industry has the highest percentage of women executives? Is it A, hemp, B, testing labs, C, distribution, or D, brands? Four answer choices. Uh, this is from a survey that was conducted by MJ Biz Daily. They surveyed 503 uh, executives in cannabis, asking them what, what vertical they were working in and what their leadership level was. Uh, some interesting results. I found it very surprising. If you uh, follow me on LinkedIn, you probably have seen the answer. I've been chatting about it all week long. Um, so, okay, great. We have some guesses coming in. A lot of guesses for D brands. Yeah. Uh, let's see what yeah. else. Yeah, a lot of guesses for D. Hi, Carolyn from Arcview. <laughs> Hi, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason. It's so wonderful to see friends joining us. It really is. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Mm -hmm. Jordan, what is D? <laughs> what what, what are brands? Thank you, Jordan. And Talia, hi, Talia. I know I owe you an email. I promise I'll get to it before the week is out. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be the outlier and take a hemp. Oh, we have another guest for hemp. Okay, so I think we have about... Eight guesses for D brands, and I've seen two guesses for A hemp. Very good guesses. And I my my gut tells me that that people are are sort of looking at brands because they're more creative, and I think I think that's mm -hmm. that's just in, interesting. Um, I'm 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 real curious to see what the uh, what the answer is, Adriana. All right, let's do it. Before we do, Christina. Oh, there we oh, go. Oh, too late. <laughs> too late. Testing labs. It's testing labs. So let's show this chart so we can show how the how the breakdown goes. It is, I think, like I don't want to say the wrong number before I see the actual chart, um, but it is like pretty dramatic how we see a lot more representation in the testing lab area. It might be hard to read the numbers. Forty-three percent in testing labs. The next one down is consumption lounges. Forty-eight percent. Then we have wholesale cultivators at 40%. The thin orange line shows the average of U.S. businesses with um, women executives, and that sits at 29%. Uh, so you can see a lot of verticals within cannabis are above the national average for all businesses, and quite a few are, are below. Um, overall, if you, if you take all of, um, all of the business types in cannabis and aggregate, we're slightly below the U.S. national average, but it is encouraging to see that some areas of the business are, are ahead of the national average. Curious to know what you think, David. Are you surprised by any of these? I am. I really am. Um, again, it's, you know, there's some sort of old school stereo, stereotypical thinking here. Um, you know, in, in some ways I thought... Um, 
I thought if I had to think about where women would fall in the industry, it would either be creative or analytical. Um, so I was sort of either thinking branding or, um, or testing. Um, in fact, most, most of the people I know in cannabis in data are women. I'm, I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to think of, of, of a man that, that I've worked with in data in cannabis. So it's the just interesting. industry as a whole is well represented by women. I think the, there are more women in, in executive positions in insights and research mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. above the national average, which is where I came from doing cannabis consumer research and now working in software. So it's interesting to see that there's like a lot of both creative side and the analytical side. And I want to call out a comment from Stacy. Half of our R&D department is women. So yes, that's awesome. Thank you for your comment, Stacy. Wow, that uh, testing labs, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, we, nor, nor, did, nor did I. Um, so <laughs> so it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, and, and it's interesting too, just in terms of, you know, where, I don't know, I wanna say who gets the most, um, who has, who makes the, the loudest sound, right? You know, it's typically brands and branding and marketing. Um, you, you know, the data folks are typically the, and, and the lab testing folks, the analytical testing folks are typically all in, all in the back and they're all being very quiet as, as they do their job, you know, but it's, it's the branding branders and marketers that sort of scream out. So it's interesting. I was not expecting that. Very. Absolutely. So, um, you know, let's, let's bring it full circle. Um, I'm curious, you know, so why, why women owned cannabis brands, you know, that's something that, uh, you, you know, we, we see, we see more women consume, consuming, we see more women in the industry, we see the, uh, the back and forth, the, the tug of war that takes place, you know, from time to time between different communities within the industry, I'll leave it at that. And, um, and so what can we do about it? You know, what, how do we open up honest, transparent conversations and let everybody in and find their place in the industry instead of pointing fingers at each other? How, how do we, you know, how do we go about doing that? Uh, well, you know, why not? First of all, to, to circle back to your first question, why not women brands, right? Mm -hmm. Women make up 51% of the population. We're the fastest growing consumer, you know, demographic in cannabis. I think that, you know, women understand how to, you, you know, meet the needs of this enormous and, and new base in cannabis. Um, I also think, you know, back to, I think, you know, Ron about, you know, minorities, it's about inclusivity, right? Promoting diversity and inclusivity um, in the marketplace by buying, you know, products and services from women-owned businesses, we're helping to ensure that the marketplace sort of reflects our diverse society, right? And the needs and perspectives um, from, from everybody being taken into account. Um, and it's also, you know, for me on a personal note, um, positive impact on local communities. And, and you know, when women succeed, and, and this, is, this is true, this is a fact, um, when we succeed as entrepreneurs, 
we're more likely to invest in our families, in our communities. And what does that do? That helps create jobs. That helps create, you know, that's economic growth. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, why not own brands, <laughs> especially in cannabis? We need more of them. Why not? Christina, this reminded me of a question talking about economic growth. What are your plans for expanding House of Puff? What's on, what's on the horizon for 2020? Well, my publicist is on the call. I don't know what I'm allowed <laughs> and, not, and, and not to say. Uh, I, I, will, I will say this. Uh, we are a brand based in New York. Uh, as we know, woohoo, Adult Rec just went live, Housing Works on December 29th. So uh, New York is a very special place to us. We built the brand. It's, you know, our offices are in Midtown. Come, come check us out. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep scaling our brand. Uh, we're, we're D2C, dot, 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 uh, Jordan. Uh, you know, we're D2C, we're B2B. You know, the next logical step may be being IRL, uh, brick and mortar uh, in, in, in New York, potentially. Uh, we'll, we'll see how uh, the regulations um, shake out. But it would be exciting to have a House of Puff HQ in New York. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, you're, you're VVIP. <laughs> and what, what's that been like? You know, for example, your your products were at uh, Housing Works last, I guess, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, yeah. uh, what was that like to be part of the first legal cannabis sales uh, in New York? It's I, I have no words. It was uh, no. And, and, and what you read in the press, like, stop. A lot of those stories are planted. So if you're not from New York, if you didn't go to Housing Works, if you didn't try the cannabis, we don't want to hear it. Okay. So that's the New Yorker. That's the New Yorker and me coming out. Um, it was, it was incredibly special um, to, you know, housing works. They are an incredible organization and they are really putting a focus on BIPOC owned brands, New York brands, women brands. I think we're one of the only accessories that they're carrying right now. There's also not a lot of uh, supply coming in, you know, it's moving so quick and everybody can't keep up. So I'm sure the big display that we currently have will, will be whittled down, but I have to say, you know, all the photos I got from, from people standing in line for hours um, and, and to, and to shop house of puff products, uh, as a New Yorker, it was, I, I even like get choked up talking about it. It was just, it was just so, it was so impactful and powerful. And I'm excited for, for New Yorkers and, and the brands that are being built. I think you're going to see some really cool stuff and they should come on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Come yeah, on, come all. We welcome New Yorkers. Yes. <laughs> My, you know, it's funny. My friend was joking that the line was longer than uh, than a drop at Supreme. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, I my husband went. He waited an hour. My sister went. She waited forty minutes, and it's been two weeks. So everybody thought, oh, it's going to die down. No, honey, it has not died down. It's 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 ju we're just getting started. I feel like we need a live feed of people standing in line outside of Housing Works. Like we should just put a camera, mount it right outside the door. You need a, a branding bud live where you're with the microphone and just walking up to people like Billy Eichner on the street. I've got just, the microphone right hey, here. There you go. That's, that's what we're, we're doing. We're there already. We're taking it on tour. On the road. I love it. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, I'm curious, you know, uh, 
being in New York now, I mean, New York has taken a minute to, to pull it all together. Um, do you feel they're on the right track? Do you feel things are, um, you know, headed in the right direction? Yes. I think what New York has done uh, and the MRTA and the bill that they've created and uh, putting social equity at the, at the top um, is, is something that's ever been done. And, you know, I know that there's been bumps along the way, any rollout in any state, there's, there's obviously going to be um, struggles, um, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, we are going to be a force to be reckoned with. New York is, we're coming in hot. <laughs> Indeed. Seriously, everybody's talking about it. Uh, and Christina, I have a question. We like to ask pretty much all of our guests who come on here, and I love yes. it. And the question is, can you recommend a book, a movie, or an experience that cannabis business people should know about? Huh. Um, good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be biased. I'm going to say uh, I wish everybody could attend a House of Puff event. Every summer we throw a, a Hamptons cannabis soiree at my house um, and it's cannabis cocktails. It's infused food, fabulous music, networking. Um, and, you know, we're integrating cannabis and in, in, in entertaining. And, you know, we have a wait staff, AKA me, and I just pass around pre-rolls instead of wine. <laughs> we have mixologists creating incredible cannabis cocktails uh, because again, a lot of the, you know, the folks who come to the, the cannabis soiree that I do um, are New Yorkers and they've never even tried cannabis cocktails, for example. So it's really incredible to see someone take uh, to not drink alcohol that evening and, and take a first sip of a, a cannabis infused cocktail. Um, and it's such an amazing experience. You're all invited. I'm going to regret saying that. Sorry, Jordan. Um, but it, that, that would be one experience that I all hope at least the two of you will, will come out. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. And uh, I, I guess I'll get started now if it's in the Hamptons during the summer, because it's probably hours on the Long Island Expressway. But uh, well, <laughs> train we'll, it. You'll train it. You'll train it. It's fine. That's right. Or the Jitney, if that still exists. Yes, it's, it very much does. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, I've heard quite a bit about your, your summer event. So we're, uh, we're excited. I may take you up on that. Yes, and Katie said uh, you can't take it back now because you said it. See you there. <laughs> it's, it's usually have... in August, so just hold the entire month of August for us. Perfect. Lock your calendar. Yeah. Well, Christina, thank you so much for for you know sharing time with us and and really not only sharing yourself and and your brand with us, but sharing and talking through you know what's been a hard topic for the industry. And, um, and, and you're right, you know, the, the, the answer is why not, right? The answer is why not? Um, but, but because this has come up so many times, Adriana and I have talked about it so many times amongst ourselves and with others. And we said, you know, we need to bring this topic up. We need to talk through the topic. We need to shed some light on the topic. So, um, so we did, and we thank you for that. And I uh, love it. I yeah. love it. Hashtag buy weed from women. <laughs> mm -hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. Um, so be much. Before you go, where can everybody find you and House of Puff? 
houseofpuff.com. Follow us on Instagram, the House of Puff, YouTube at home with House of Puff. Uh, and then my personal Instagram is Christina Ducci. Uh, so yeah, so sl again, slide into the DMs. <laughs> right on. Thank awesome. you so much, Thank Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. That was awesome, wasn't it? So good. She's amazing. And, and everybody who chimed in um, was just amazing. And, and thank you, everybody. So we will be back again next Thursday, as always, January 19th at 11 a.m. PST and 2 p.m. EST. And next week, we'll be chatting with David Van Eaton. He's the senior brand manager at Bovida. And we'll be chatting about how non-plant touching businesses achieve brand authenticity in the cannabis space because there's so many, so many companies and so many brands, so many products that support the industry, but, um, but uh, how do they find their credibility and authenticity in the space? So I'm looking forward to chatting about that. Yep. And we're all about building communities. So please connect with us and we will, uh, we'll see you next week. That's right. And a quick shout out before we go, a quick shout out to Marino PR and Jordan Eisenstadt. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you again to Christina. Check out Cannabis's Best Kept Secret at brandingbud.com and follow us on Branding Bud Live and our YouTube channel, Branding Bud Live on YouTube. Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate you joining us and sharing your time with us and participating with us. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.